0: Thank you, Mercy. So, Psalm 2.
1: So, Psalm 2 can be found on page 384 of this Bible and uh, 543, I believe, on the other type of Bible. Why did the nations conspire and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Let us break their chains, they say, and throw off their fetters. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Then he rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will proclaim the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son today I have become your father ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance the ends of the earth your possession you will rule them with an iron scepter you will dash them to pieces like pottery therefore you Kings be wise be warned you rulers of the earth serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling kiss the Sun Lest he be angry and you be destroyed in your way. For his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him.
0: Okay, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray for this time now as we study your word. We ask for your wisdom in understanding what you have to share with us today through this passage. We also ask that you will help us to remove any distractions so that we can be challenged and encouraged as your servants. We pray this in Jesus' name, Amen. Um, a bit of interesting information for you this week, which you may have missed, which got alluded to. Did anyone notice we have a new prime minister? <laughs> Nobody. Is that shocking news to you? I didn't. I don't. You need a moment to absorb that, or, or, okay? Another one. Being in an opened office environment there was lots of um heard anything yet no um are oh, they going in at 12:20? okay is it julia is it peter no it's scott ah, one of the common phrases i heard at work this week is what is going on do you remember the good old days when prime ministers served their full term it wasn't that long ago i googled the prime minister list last night John Howard was Prime Minister for 11 years, and then the 11 years since, we are under our sixth change of Prime Minister. Scott Morrison, by the way, is the same age as me. That's young, isn't it? Very young. (laughs) What is going on? Do you ever look around the world and think this too? Morals and standards continue to decline... It would appear that the influence of Christians in the world is shrinking, overall attendance numbers continue to, to decline, church leaders are in the news for the wrong reasons. The same-sex marriage debate has passed and we see it infiltrating various denominations. even found a website that has a hall of shame for televangelists. Have we got it wrong? Is God not relevant anymore? Is God not interested in our world? What is going on? Well, today we're going to look at Psalm 2. And the same question is being asked, but the roles are reversed. And instead of asking God's people what is going on, the question is asked of those who are fighting against God. We have the non-Israelite nations conspiring against the Lord, Yahweh. And in the words of John McEnroe, in one of his famous dummy spits, The psalmist is basically saying you cannot be serious. For the young people, that's our current tennis players on steroids. So let's start in verse 1. Let's read the first three verses together. Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Let us break their chains, they say, and throw off their fetters. Now we can assume that at some point these nations have been subjected to God's rule but now they want freedom, in inverted commas, to break the chains. They can see the special relationship between the Lord and his people Israel and they would be aware of the miracles of God. What we see are the kings and rulers of the earth not acknowledging God. Have no allegiance to him, they want nothing to do with him and so they are rebelling. And the psalmist starts with, why? Why conspire and plot in vain? Why are the kings and rulers gathering together to take a stand against the Lord? This is the God who spoke and the world was created. This is the God who rescued his people from Egypt. There is no point, it's futile. One commentator describes it as laughably pathetic. Picture with me for a moment the 100 metres race at the Olympics. In lane four, we have Usain Bolt. In lane five, Justine Charles. They take their starting positions. The crowd goes silent. The bang of the starter's gun and they're off. Out in front is Mr Bolt as he goes across the finish line and with them we pan back to see Justine, still in the first 10 metres, giving her proud mum and dad a wave as she goes. She was never going to win. Joe, what were you thinking? It was futile. There was no point to these nations conspiring against the Lord. So what is really going on here? People do not want to acknowledge the kingship of God and they do not want to submit to him. Do you know who got this, this submitting to God? Job. Do you know who didn't get this? Everybody around Job. There's poor Job, losing all his possessions, family, servants, covering, covered in sores, scraping them with broken pottery, sorry to the image people in the church, and thinking, what's going on? Then along come his friends encouraging him to walk away from God. His wife told him to curse God and die. But through all the difficulties Job faced, he continued to acknowledge the kingship of God. Fast forward to today. Does this refusal to submit to God we read about in these verses sound familiar? Do you know of anyone in that situation? What about you? Do you have moments when you struggle to submit to God? Life gets busy, doesn't it? First there's school and all the homework. Then there's more study at uni and TAFE and all those assignments. Then comes along work and all those responsibilities. And then there's family and kids and all those responsibilities. Then you finally kick the kids out and you retire. And At that point you're so busy you wonder how you ever had time for kids and work. Life isn't easy, especially when we don't find time to spend with God. Why? Why do you conspire and plot in vain? Have you forgotten who God is? Submit to God. So how would you expect God to respond to this? Well, exactly as you would expect in an absurd situation. Verse 4. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. God is very much aware of the scheming and the plotting, but he's not concerned. The description of the one enthroned in heaven is not showing that he's distant or removed. It's a sign of his exaltation and his power. The imagery of God laughing and scoffing might not be the most appealing image, but the message is clear. God's power is so great his position is so secure that he has no need to take the threats of the kings of the earth as any sort of challenge to his rule. So, it's understandable that God laughs at such a ridiculous situation. Then we see the next response in verse 5 and 6. Then he rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy hill. God's laughter turns to anger and the kings of the earth are terrified. At this point, we would normally expect to see some sort of divine punishment for their rejection of God. Maybe a downpour of sulphur or some lightning or a flood. Instead, God declares, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy hill. When you think about that, it's a pretty terrifying statement to someone who's rejected God. I am enthroned in heaven, I am the creator of the earth, and I have appointed my king. Do you know that God planned this long before this psalm was written? Even before Israel had arrived in this good land, we hear of God's promise. In Exodus 15, after escaping from the Egyptians, and we have the song of the sea. Listen to these words. In your unfailing love you lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength you will guide them to your holy dwelling. You will bring them in and plant them on the mountain of your inheritance, the place, Lord, you made for your dwelling, the sanctuary, Lord, your hands established. God had a plan to establish his people and his king in his place. So God has a plan for this world and nothing will stop him from carrying this out. This was something Israel looked forward to God completing. They longed for the king who would reign on the throne of David forever. We can draw great comfort and assurance from the character of God. We know that he is in control and will fulfill his plans. Job lost everything, but he still knew and trusted that God was in control. In the busyness of life, do you end up spending all your time on me, does life sometimes feel like it's spiralling out of control? Don't forget to lift your eyes to God. You and I are part of his plan. So, submit to God. God has a plan for this world. Now we move to the next section where the king steps forward to declare the covenant between the king and the Lord. Let's read verse 7 to 9. I will proclaim the decree of the Lord... He said to me you are my son today i have become your father ask of me and i will make the nations your inheritance the ends of the earth your possession you will rule them with an iron scepter you will dash them to pieces like pottery here we see the relationship described as father and son this comes from second samuel with god's promise to david david wanted to build a house for the lord but through Nathan, the Lord told David that he would build not just a house, but a dynasty. Listen to these words The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. Now, sadly, history shows us that these kings did not experience the promise of worldwide rule. We also have plenty of examples where these kings failed to submit to God's rule. We know that Assyria and Babylon captured the Israelites and they were placed in exile. So if we left it there, this passage might seem a bit hollow. But the good news is, the line of David continued all the way through to Jesus, who we know got it right. Remember in this passage, we just read that there's a reference to the Son and the Father? Well, in Matthew chapter 3... We read, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. So we see that Jesus is declared as God's Son. And again, if we look at Acts chapter 13, we see that the Son in Psalm chapter 2 is referred to, is referring to Jesus. Listen to these words We tell you the good news. What God promised our ancestors, he has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus. As it is written in the second psalm, You are my son, today I have become your father. So it's clear that Jesus fulfills this psalm. God has established Jesus as king through his death and his resurrection, and we know that he reigns. Paul describes this in Philippians and being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself and became obedient to death even on a cross therefore god exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of jesus every knee should bow and every tongue confess that jesus christ is lord half of you are humming a song in your head right now aren't you god's son reigns now just as a footnote i really like the imagery of pottery in verse 9 as you know Some of you would know, probably Jill sells some items online, some of it being pottery. And as executive administrative assistant reporting directly to the CEO, I can confirm that pottery is brittle and easily shattered, but I'd rather not go into that in any more detail at this point. So with Jesus as king, there is great hope, but the pottery reminds us that there is also judgment. So submit to God, God has a plan for this world, God's son reigns. (coughs) So based on the above, there is now some advice provided by the psalmist. Let's read from verse 10. Therefore, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son lest he be angry and you be destroyed in your way. For his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. In the context of what we've just looked at in this psalm, this is very good advice. The people being addressed here are rebelling against God and they are put on notice. Your choices have consequences, and it's the same for us today. On one hand, they are told to submit to God, otherwise, they will suffer God's wrath and destruction. On the other hand, Those that acknowledge God's authority and power over their lives will find refuge in him and be blessed. Kiss the son. This is a great image of submission and it was relevant to the people who heard this psalm. A sign of submission to an Assyrian king was to kiss his feet so they would have understood the image of serving God's anointed king. It's ironic that back at the start of the chapter these people wanted freedom. Freedom by breaking the chains of what they saw as oppression. Whereas true freedom is found in serving God. Listen to Jesus' words in Matthew 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That's how you break the chains, that's freedom. What a joy it is to be free of the burden of guilt and shame. And did you notice that this is an invitation and it's still current today? we see the invitation and the reward in the very last line of the chapter. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Peter talked about what it means to be blessed last week. If you take refuge in God, you will delight in meditating on his word and you are like a tree planted by the stream or by the dry creek beds of Silverton. If you weren't here last week, go to the website, you'll get that context. So it's your call Your decision will have eternal consequences. And we are encouraged to seek God. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. So, submit to God. God has a plan for this world. God's Son reigns. And true freedom is found in serving God. So what does that mean for us today? To help us think through this let's move over to acts chapter 4 where this psalm is referenced if you'd like to turn over it's 773 on one of them and 1096 on the other let's see how the truths impacted on peter and john they've just received the holy spirit at pentecost and are spreading the gospel Peter and John found comfort in knowing that Jesus fulfilled Psalm 2. In this passage, they've just received threats against teaching in the name of Jesus. But they were encouraged that although they saw the rulers and authorities conspiring against Jesus, they had seen Jesus triumph through his death and his resurrection. Let's start at verse 25. (coughs) "'You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David,' Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. God has a plan that will not be changed. Peter and John could see that God was using the rulers and authorities to fulfill his plan. That plan saw Jesus taken to the cross where he was crucified. That plan also saw Jesus raised up to be victorious over sin and death. If God uses those rulers to fulfill his plan, wouldn't that be the same today? It's a good reminder to pray for our political leaders, especially after this week. So with our knowledge of God's power and unstoppable plan, what do Peter and John ask for? Some of that Old Testament sulphur or some lightning or floods? No. Let's read verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Peter and John understood true freedom and wanted to serve God. And in response to this, they prayed for boldness to share God's message. They wanted those around them who were bound up by the world to hear about Jesus. Should we be any different to Peter and John? In submitting to God and serving him we will experience true freedom. Let's think about what's been done for us. Tim reminded us last week of the words in Romans 5 verse 8 but God demonstrated his own love for us in this while we were still sinners Christ died for us. There is a sermon on its own in this verse but here's my one sentence summary. God loves you and I so much that he made the ultimate sacrifice to save us even though he knew our inmost thoughts. So what should we do in response to this? Well it shouldn't be that we feel we have to do anything it should be that we want to live for him out of sheer gratitude for saving us. It should give us a desire to share this joy. and We should feel distressed when we think about the consequences for those who reject God. So, like Peter and John, let's pray for boldness to be a shining light in a dark world. Why do we need to ask for boldness? Well, it's a pretty messed up world out there. And to the people we come across, we're probably going to appear unusual. We don't fit the mould. We're not likely to win the most popular award at school or work. We're not the type of people who are going to get ahead in this world. And because we don't fit in, it can be difficult to share our faith. So let's pray firstly that we don't make compromises, that we will be faithful to God in the lives we live, even though we stand apart from those around us. Secondly, let's pray that we live a life of gratitude for the gift of grace and hope, that's given to us through Jesus. And thirdly, let's pray that when our family, friends, neighbours, work colleagues ask us a question about our faith, that we will be bold and that we will be led by the Holy Spirit in our response. So why would you plot against the King of the universe, especially when he offers you refuge if you serve him? If you're still pondering that question today if you haven't chosen to submit to God and experience true freedom what's stopping you the decision you make will have eternal consequences if you are serving him and taking refuge in him remember that God has a plan for you even especially in this crazy mixed up world remember that God has a plan for this world God's Son reigns, and true freedom is found in serving Him. And that's a message worth sharing. Steve and Peter both shared a song in their talks over the past two weeks, so I've got one as well. Uh, Christian group Mercy may have a song that I think is a good way to close. We get pushed down, we get beaten up, but hang on, there's hope. Because if Christ is inside us, it won't be a fair fight. Because deep down, we know how the story goes. This goes out to anyone down for the count. It's not over. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Just remember who you belong to. And let let me remind you how this ends. We win. Let's pray. We thank you, Lord, for your word we thank you for the reminder in this psalm of your unstoppable plan thank you for your son that your son jesus has conquered death and sin and reigns victorious lord we ask that in the busyness of life that we will put time aside to spend in communion with you help us to continue to seek you out and take refuge in you give us boldness to live a life worthy of you even though it's not popular When opportunities arise, we pray for boldness to share your gospel with those who have not yet found true freedom. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.